Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, we are just 10 days away from Buckeyes versus Cornhuskers at the Horseshoe. And it feels damn good to say it. Yeah, this is the longest wait in the history of Ohio State football for the season to come back. That's not an exaggeration either, by the way. Uh, since football started back up, we've never had a season start this late ever. So I have to say that I think all of us have officially waited long enough at this point. Um, this is something I kind of talked about in the book last Sunday. It like it's hard, It's been hard to really believe it's going to be back just because uh, everything else we've been watching, has, it, it makes it feel, feel like it's so far away, right? You've got some teams that by the time Ohio State and Nebraska kick off are going to have played six or seven games. So, you know, it's a little surreal finally getting to see that we're getting close. I mean, this is the last weekend without Ohio State football right now. It's the last one. And I just – it's it's starting to feel real. Like, I'm starting to go through my head thinking, all right, so what's the matchup look like? You know, it's it's all this stuff that we've been waiting for. And – when it gets here, it won't quite be the same. There won't be a full crowd in the shoe or really any crowd in the shoe. You know, it's not going to have the same pageantry, pomp, and circumstance. But the bottom line is you're going to have guys wearing those Ohio State uniforms, those silver helmets on the field playing football for the first time since December. And really, it's going to be one of those things where it all feels right in the world for the first time in a very long time. It felt right yesterday. We got a chance to have a Zoom call with head coach Ryan Day, quarterback Justin Fields, quarterback coach Corey Dennis. Uh, that was – it was like a flood of information coming from that. That was great stuff. Let's start with Justin Fields. I mean, the biggest change fans are going to notice from him is not going to be physical this year, if you notice any changes at all. It's going to be the mental side of the game and how he's much more of a coach on the field. Ryan Day talked about that. Justin Fields talked about that. And Justin knew the playbook really well last year, but now he's just more of that, you know – no pun intended, but that field general. And um, he's just – and that's to be expected. That's his second year in the program, second year as a starter. He's a captain. Um, but it seems like it's above and beyond. The way he was talking about it, the way Ryan Day was going on about it, it sounds like this Justin Fields, I mean, it's going to be – we knew he'd be even better as a passer and just, you know, year two in the system and all that. But the mental side of the game is where he could really take things to the next level this year, Bax. Well, here's the thing about Justin Fields. Like every every this is t- normal in the off season about everybody, right? Oh, so and so in the best shape of their lives. So and so they know the book better than ever. So and so, yada yada yada. The reality for Justin Fields is it's hard for him to be much better than he was last year when it comes to production. What did he have? Forty touchdowns and three interceptions, two of which were against Clemson. One of which was because a route went the wrong way. I mean, like let's be real here. It was uh, it was almost a perfect season. So. Expecting Justin Fields to somehow increase his numbers from last year to me is implausible because he was already that damn good. But I will say him having shown this extra level of leadership, helping push the season back into things, maybe that's that extra tiny bit we need to have to get this team over the hump and into the championship game and into a national championship situation. Uh, let's, Let's face it. What have we wanted this season back for all along? Yes, if Ohio State was average, we would have still wanted them to play football. But the reason Ohio State in particular has been so desperately scrabbling to get back to this point is because everybody knows Ohio State is a team that could legitimately win the national championship. 
I mean, we aren't even talking about how motivated this team is after the screw job situations that they had going on in December. It was a game they should have won. It was a game that they blew on their own volition. And it was a game that was sort of taken from them on top of it. And there's a hundred things about that Clemson game where any one of them changes in Ohio State sitting here potentially the defending national champion. So there's an Ohio State team right now that any little bit more you can get from a guy like Justin Fields, who already seems to be one of the top two picks in the draft this year, is going to be incredible because you have a team right now. And again, it's hard to not use hyperbole, but you have to compare where Ohio State is to most other teams in the country. We've had a month to watch these other teams. Uh, Clemson might be there. I, I, don't, I don't think Alabama's there, to be real honest. Uh, I don't really I haven't seen anybody else who makes me go, wow, look at that team. Right now, Ohio State is absolutely at the forefront of potentially winning a national championship this year. So whatever improvements we see from Justin Fields, you know, they may not be on the stat sheet, but those may be the intangibles that help them take that next step towards winning that championship. This team is stacked. Ryan Day um, was just talking about the depth on this team at so many different positions. Obviously, the one exception to the rule is at defensive tackle. And I had a chance to ask Coach Day, and I think a lot of coaches, even if it was their biggest concern, would engage in coach speak and tell you, no, you know, talk around it. We're not that concerned about it. Coach Day was very honest about defensive tackle depth. Now, they're hoping to get Haskell Garrett back at some point, Teron Vincent back. But he says, yes, that's the biggest concern on the team for him is depth at defensive tackle. And, um, you know, they feel good about their starters there, feel really good about Tommy Togiai. But, um, you know, I no surprise there. But it was interesting to hear Coach Day talk about that. And one more thing, I asked him about safeties as well. He doesn't seem that concerned about safeties. Um, he definitely is more concerned about DT depth than he is about the safeties. And then he talked about the depth everywhere else on the field, both sides of the ball, they're stacked. My word, not his, stacked, but he just said we have tremendous depth all over the field. So defensive tackle is the one exception to the rule. And then, you know, maybe the safety situation with Marcus Hooker and Josh Proctor and some of the other guys he mentioned, like Bryson Shaw, maybe that's not going to be as big of a problem as we thought. He also mentioned true freshman Lathan Ransom. So your thoughts on Coach Day's comments just about defensive tackle depth? Again, not a big surprise there. And maybe he has a little bit optimistic outlook on the safety position. Let's start with the good part first. The fact that Ryan Day isn't concerned about the safety position likely stems from the fact that he believes somebody has emerged to the point that they're going to be fine starting. It also likely stems from the fact that there's multiple players that are sort of at the age you would expect one or two of them to grow into a role where they'd be on the field in a normal, you know, spring football progression sort of setting. So uh, I, I think safety's position that I don't feel awful about, you know, I, I, I'm interested in Hunter and Proctor do. If Proctor's laying out dudes like he did at the end of the Big Ten Championship game last year, then we're going to be perfectly fine. Uh, but the reality is there's enough young guys at that progression point where you would expect somebody to be able to emerge. Defensive tackle, on the other hand, is a very big concern because if you can't hold up against the run, you're in trouble. Right now we have Tommy Togiai, but when you're missing Teron Vincent and when you're missing Haskell Garrett, two guys that we're going to be relied on to be big-time contributors, that's a concern. I mean, you're, you're now hoping that a guy like Antoine Jackson, who's been essentially a forgotten guy since he got to Ohio State. I, mean, I remember this guy's recruitment where everybody said it seemed like he wanted to go to OSU, but he picked Auburn. <laughs> and then he came to OSU after leaving Auburn. And then he hasn't seen the field really at OSU this entire time. Now, all of a sudden, we're hoping he's a big-time contributor. That's concerning. Um, and this isn't like there's, there's 
you know, some obvious guys you can move down from DN to D tackle. You know, like even the Rushman sort of situation is uh, not the same as it was in some past years. We had a guy like a Sam Hubbard that could bump down and sign at any point in time, you know. Uh, you, to get old school in people, there's no Darian Scott that you can bounce around here. I mean, it's a little bit of a different D-line. And I think they're going to have plenty of depth on the D-line this year at the end position. But right now we're relying on some younger guys at D-tackle after having lost a real significant number of major contributors. I mean, let's face it, we're going to miss Devon Hamilton and B.B. Landers a lot this year. And then the two guys that I think everybody thought were, quote, next up were Garrett and Vincent. And, you know, right now we're kind of just holding our breath. Uh, I, I, I put this in the bucket a couple weeks ago of like who I thought the most irreplaceable Buckeyes were. Tommy Togiai is in my top two or three. Um, because if you lose him, then you have literally no veteran experience at defensive tackle. So luckily it's a shorter season. Maybe this won't be something that comes up and is as big of a deal for OSU. You know, you're not going to have to grind through 12 or 13 games before you even get to a playoff. You know, we're, we're looking at a much shorter year. So maybe this is something that won't affect them. Maybe Haskell Garrett will shock the world and end up playing after getting shot in the face, which to me still seems implausible. Maybe Tron Vincent's not hurt as bad as, 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 as we fear. But bottom line is, is that going into this season, that is my number one concern with a bullet, is what happens if somebody rolls Tommy Togia's ankle. Because we don't have a ton of depth of experience, at least at that position right now. I'm with you. Tommy Togiai is not as valuable as Justin Fields, but he's definitely in my top five, maybe my top three. Um, I mean, he might be the most valuable player on the team outside of Justin Fields. Uh, with a, yep. as good as he, I think he's going to be a guy that plays in the NFL for a long time, will be a relatively high pick. I don't think Tommy's going to be a first-rounder. Uh, maybe he will be if he stays for his senior year, which I bet he will. Um, I bet Tommy will be something like a second-round pick and play in the NFL for many, many years. Um I don't want to Maybe we need to send Dewan Jones over to play defensive tackle. He's big enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can play both ways. But, hey, that would uh, be yeah. awesome. Just have him just – who was it? Was it that Tim Anderson back in the day who played both sides of the ball? So – Maybe we could have the one Dewan Jones go there and be like, hey, six foot nine, three sixty, just go kill someone. <laughs> just go play some nose guard a little bit. You don't have to do it every, you know, they they'll, they'll use the rotation. Larry keeps his guys fresh. Just go out there yeah. on, on running downs, Dewan, and uh just clog everything up in there. Push the center uh, back, grab the guards while you're at, let the linebackers clean up. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I remember what you know, John Cooper didn't do many smart things, but I do remember him using Orlando Pace as a you know goal line. Uh, defensive tackle, you know, short yardage defensive tackle here and there. So uh, didn't even do it that much. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're joking about Dewan Jones, but maybe every once in a while, you know, why not? Uh, especially with Dewan Jones. Tommy Togia yeah, gets hurt. That's a real thing. Oh, I'm gosh. just saying. Tommy Togia yeah, gets hurt. That's a real thing. I don't even want to think about Tommy Togia yeah, getting hurt. And, I mean, Dewan Jones isn't even starting on the offensive line. He's going to be a super sub. They love him. They're just so stacked on the O-line that a guy that they love, that they know is going to be a future stud at Ohio State. And he, it's not like he's a true freshman. He's a sophomore. He's not even going to be starting this year because they're so stacked on the O-line. So the more I think about it, and I don't know if Dewan Jones has ever played a down of defensive football in his life, but I, I imagine we could teach him to go out there and uh, you know play a little nose guard here and there, stop the run, clog things up. All right, last thing. This is interesting. I saw somebody start this on our board. I wanted to ask you about this. This is, uh, I mean, it has something to do with Ohio State since Ohio State is a power five school. Backs. Should the Power Five break away from the NCAA and start its own division? 
it's hilarious that you brought this up because I actually was writing some of the bucket of bullets early for this weekend. This is a major, major subject that it's going to be in the article. So well done, Dave, for previewing this for this weekend. Uh, I, I've been saying yes on this one for a very long time. Um, you know, I remember writing about this literally almost a decade ago here on Bucknuts, um, which is crazy that I've almost been writing for Bucknuts for a decade. So that 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 alone is kind of crazy to think about. But this is something we've been talking about going back to whenever the expansion wars happened. Um, that was a time in college football when literally everybody talked about what conference was going to get what schools, right? And the reason for this was is that at one point in time, there was a school of thought that said the conferences are going to collate into four major conferences with 64 total teams and set up perfectly for a playoff. Um, and, and that never happened. The expansion train sort of stopped because the Big 12 didn't collapse. Um, I think the big thing was Texas not leaving for the Pac-12. If Texas had, had left for the Pac-12, you would have probably seen us collate towards four 16-team conferences. But that sort of stopped um, when Texas decided to stay in the Big 12. But so sort of everything calmed down for a while about that. And then the split away, you know, people kind of grumbled about it. But there's no real reason for it. Well, I think now with this impending arrival of the, uh, per, the your likeness right where kids can make money on their own personal image while in college. They're trying to come up with some sort of system for it. I think these power five schools are going to be in position to really consolidate the talent market even more than they already have. And by that, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of these power five schools uh, as the, the their TV money only continues to increase. They're going to be in a better position to capitalize upon these kids' ability to make extra money based on their likeness. And so I, I think you're going to start my guess is there's going to be some sort of office that vets this. Like there's going to be some sort of system that says, Hey, you want to have a TV commercial. You got to send it through the office of compliance for image likeness. That way you don't have somebody sponsoring a strip club or something. Right. Um, but you're going to end up having a lot of these kids who end up making more money through the power five, because there's going to be some sort of guarantees for the kids who don't have the image likenesses built. Like everybody thinks that like, Oh, it's going to be a big recruiting thing. Well, you know, pick a random three-star recruit, right? Like, let's pick a good – here's a good one. Lathan Ransom, kid comes in from Arizona. Going to be a really good player. How much does the general public know about Lathan Ransom at this point, right? Like, we at Bucknut, like, have known him for years. Seems like he's old old news, right? The, the vast majority of Ohio State fans, they don't know who Lathan Ransom is. So can Lathan Ransom expect to come into Columbus and be doing, you know, multiple TV commercials with Reichert Auto and Nationwide Insurance? No, certainly not. But there's going to be a lot of people who go, man, I'd love for, you know, to have some Ohio State players make an appearance at some event I'm putting on. Well, Ohio State's office is going to send, you know, six random Ohio State players over and they're all going to get some sort of fee. And it's going to be able to capitalize on these image likenesses at places like OSU or any of the other major schools. So I think you're getting to the point where you're going to have more of, but to do that, you're going to have to be able to have some sort of almost like collectively bargained agreement, if you will, between the student athletes and the universities. And I think you're going to see that divisional split between the power five and the rest of the country, not just because of TV dollars, but because of the way they're able to handle the image like this money. And so I think there's going to be a big sp split away happening at some point in the near future here. They'll still play like, so for example, since he's not in a power five team, they're still going to play power five schools, right? But I do think you're going to see that happen 
And I don't think it's going to be more than five or so years down the line because college football is changing a lot right now. You know, it's even more reliant on TV dollars with fans not allowed to be in the stands. Players are having more and more of a stay in things. And I think you're going to have to be in a position where you can react better to it versus being stuck in some sort of archaic NCAA controlled D1 where you act like UMass is the same as Ohio State when they're just not. So I can definitely see this happening. Significant amounts of money is going to end up going to players and image likenesses. And I don't think it's that far out. We may be five years or less out from the Power Five splitting into their own subdivision, if you will. Great stuff. As always, from Matt Baxendale, you can read his column every Sunday. It is the bucket, and you just got a preview of this Sunday's bucket from Mr. Matt Baxendale. Thanks again to Bax. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. As always, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review or subscribe. It really helps us out. Thanks again to the listeners. Thanks again to Bax. Have a great day, Bucknutters. Nutters.